OCR Radio podcast episode is with Dawn. Dawn and I met through Instagram, which a lot of people probably found us that way. She is an obstacle course racer. She is an athlete. She's been doing this for quite a while, and she is a psychologist. So she is very close to having her doctorate, and she is just full of knowledge and able to relate that to fitness, which I think maybe a lot of psychologists don't do such a good job of. So welcome to the show, Don. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, so happy to have you on here. So today we are going to talk about things like injuries and off-season blues, stuff like that. So definitely into the psychology of things. I liked what you said too about talking about when it's okay to quit and how to quit. That's super important. So could you tell us a little more about your background, what you've been up to when you're going to finish this doctorate? That's a huge undertaking. Sure, yeah. I will be finishing this next August, and I will have that big fat PhD in clinical psychology. I'm completing my last year as an intern uh, within corrections. So my first love in psychology is forensics, and my second love could have been health psychology. I could have easily gone that direction. I have been uh, working out for about a little bit over two decades now, so I've tried a little bit of everything. And you're absolutely right that psychology plays a huge role in what gets us started, what makes us stop, what tells us we should, when it's okay to stop and when it's not, and what keeps us going. And I don't I think we need to pay attention to some of those thought processes and that's how we can improve on things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So let's go ahead and talk first about um, let's let's start out with navigating injuries because right now we're kind of at the end of the season. A lot of people may have sustained some injuries from racing, from training, just life in general. What can you tell us about injury? How do those affect us psychologically? Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked about that. I've had to navigate injuries more than one time, and I'm currently navigating an injury um, actually, I'm hopefully on the up and on. I'm getting better, hopefully. But it's such it can be such a slow process. I think the first thing I thought of when you asked that question was, what does it mean to the person who's been injured? You know, wh- how it, does it affect them? For me, the first thoughts are, I've got to alternate my workout schedule. I can't find a way to get past being out of the gym. That's really hard for me. Yeah. So it depends on how that person feels about getting to the gym. So if it's really important, then they are gonna feel some fears and some anxieties, and that's perfectly normal because you don't know what you don't know. Meaning, if you haven't gotten to the doctor yet, you're gonna have to slow down and be patient and get the information you need, and then you can start figuring out how to work around that injury. Um, I'll give you the example of someone I know that almost ruptured their Achilles tendon running and they used to run flatlands and then they had to run hills and they're they all excited about it at first until that injury developed and so then they had to learn how to swim and swimming is very very close to running in that it's a whole body type of exercise but it's very different and it got all of the pressure off of that Achilles tendon, and it actually took four months for that thing to heal. 
But, you know, in the meantime, you just work on other things. you got to figure out what else is going to fill that void for you. I mean, are you a weightlifter? Are you a crossfitter? Uh, it it kind of depends on what your sport is. Yeah, that's a great point, too. I love that you um, described it as filling a void because I think sometimes we don't realize – what all of the benefits that that physical activity is giving us something like filling a void spending our time productively maybe you know not maybe definitely getting rid of anxieties that we're feeling in ourselves yeah yeah and you know i hate to say it but we do have to accept that as we get older we become more susceptible to injuries and that's something that you might as well start accepting now it's going to happen Um, And so maybe your exercise routines should focus a little bit more on preventative maintenance, preventative um, exercising, being really super careful with how you live things and how you run and where you go. So that's another thing that we all have to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so it's funny that you use that Achilles pendant as an example, because that's the one injury that I have sustained that completely sidelined me. And you're right, like you have to figure out other stuff. And now, you know, you're like, you're not wearing a shoe because it may be rubbing on the back of your Achilles too much. You got to come up with some other strategies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, with that Achilles, I mean, if you if you had an injury like that, then that totally cuts out a whole lot of cardio. And cardio to me is really important. So I think that's where, you know, another activity to replace it becomes important. Like the swimming was a really good replacement for that cardio. It depends also on where the injury is, on what part of the body it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have to focus on the lower body a little bit more. You might have to focus on the upper body or, you know, things to that effect. Yeah. One of the other takeaways that I just thought of as you were saying this is that, you know, you really um, focus on working on something else and taking care of yourself. And uh, I think a lot of people end up with an injury and then they'll just keep hammering away at it because they would just want to like pretend like it's not there, make it go away. But then that just leads to a lot of, of other injuries. It does. And, you know, that brings up a point I had written down, too, that is very important. I've come up with the motto of fix it the right, fix it right the first time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fix it right the first time. So, you know, if somebody's telling you don't run, you cannot run for two months, then don't do it. Yeah, because you are just you're you're just setting yourself back. You've got to follow the doctor's orders. Yeah. So like the injury I'm dealing with right now is hip alignment and trying to get it to stay in the place that it's supposed to be in. Yeah. And I've got this awesome chiropractor. He works on many runners and he can, he says work out as you want to, but listen to your body. So right now I'm trying to de- trying not to deadlift and that's one of my favorites. But I, I've done it a couple of times, and <laughs> when you when you feel that pain, you got to stop. Yeah, you're not ready yet. Your body just told you you're not ready yet, so you have to stop. If you want to heal it right the first time, you've got to do it. You just got to stop. Yeah. So that that let's talk about then what you what we said uh, initially about quitting. So like let's bring in the whole psychology of quitting, like when to quit or how to quit or what to quit. 
um, mm-hmm. when not to quit because, you know, as athletes, we hear so much about the psychology of continuing on, just putting your head down, going forward. And I think sometimes we miss out on uh, the important conversation about recovery, rest, and even quitting. We really don't talk about quitting, do we? No. So no, let's we talk don't. about let's talk about that from like a healthy perspective mentally for quitting. Okay, so um, for example, I ha- there was a foot surgery that I had to have, and I had to wear a boot for a while. And at the two week mark, when I was not able to get into the gym, I went to the gym with the boot. And all I could really work on was crunches. Okay, mm. that's not going to hurt your foot. <laughs> okay, but it alleviated a whole lot of anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, I you have to plan for how much time you're going to have to take off. You, you have to come to some form of acceptance, you know, and, and be okay with it. Because, again, we're trying to heal, the right, heal it right the first time. It may be that it takes longer than you expected, but you're still healing it right the first time. Things that make us quit. Did you, what was the other part of the question that yeah, you so asked? Like when, when would you want to quit something? Like what's, what's a healthy way to quit? Why, why might you quit? Like, you know, and how, how do you quit? I think is the biggest thing because we know sometimes that things aren't working out for us and, and that's not, you know, it's not like the best thing um, that's yeah. for us or for our life or whatever. So I guess what's the psychology around quitting something? I know I, so for example, um, I used to do fitness competitions. So like physique stuff. And, um, I had a coach one time when I first started and she really was not, um, doing her job. I got insanely lean, just way too lean. And I ended up having very severe adrenal issues, which caused me to, after the show, gain, um, I gained 50 pounds in four months. So of course, at that point, I just wanted to quit. I wanted to quit the whole sport. I never wanted to do it again, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to leave this with a bad taste in my mouth. So I didn't quit. I came back. I went into a competition the right way. I came out of it the right way, kind of just to like heal that part and be like, no, I've got this. I can do this. I can do it the right way. So that's my example for that. But like, you know, we're talking about obstacle course racing and a lot of endurance stuff. Like what do you... How would you help somebody navigate one of these sports in in quitting? I mean, would you replace it with something? Absolutely. That was what I was thinking. In fact, what I was thinking was um, changing the word quit to change. I like that. We're not going to quit. We're going to change what we do. Yeah. All right. So I have another friend who had to quit running because of knee problems. He had to quit. He had to just hang up the shoes. Yep. You know, my podiatrist has told me on multiple occasions to quit running. And it's like, uh, I, I don't think so, dude. We're not doing that. <laughs> so we're going to change it. But my friend that hung up his shoes has gone to swinging kettlebells. Ah, awesome. Kettlebells have actually been compared to running cardio. Yeah, I could so totally can- see that. Because I, yeah. I, I st- kept sustaining overuse injuries from running. So running's not something that I can really do very much of now. Yeah. I'm working on my form and things like that so that I can maybe get back to it a little bit more. But yeah, kettlebells, that's what gets me through most races is that I, I swing kettlebells um, in between weights. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's one way to do it. And, you know, like I said, people, I think a lot of people avoid swimming, but that one, man, I just did it the other day yeah. because, of the, you know, I'm trying to get this injury straight. And, you know, I was exhausted when I got <laughs> done, but in 30, let's see, it was less than 35 minutes and it was, I was exhilarated and I felt accomplished. So, you know, we could, when we change something, we just learned something new. And so you've turned that negative emotion around to something very positive, like, okay, I can do this now. I have a replacement activity that's perfect for me for right now. And I'm going to go with this for a while. That's awesome. So instead of quitting, we're going to change. We're going to change the routine. And again, it depends on your sport of choice. If you're a heavy weightlifter, you might have to lift more, but lighter reps. And who, I mean, weightlifters hate that shit. They really do. <laughs> you're not kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I am it's... hating these cream puff deadlifts. I'm hating it. Uh, but it's but great it's because like... you can do a lot more and you work on your muscle endurance, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, and, you know, when you talked about quitting running, I'm, I'm having to consider that myself and I hate it. And swimming really messes with my hair. So I'm thinking about all these kettlebells I got to do, you know? But so, yeah. Anyway, another oh, good awesome. replacement for cardio would be box jumps and doing CrossFit. CrossFit is absolutely awesome for intense cardio. Yeah, yeah, and you're not I can't kidding. do all of it. I don't think anybody can do all of it. But it is an excellent um, option. Yeah. Yeah, you're not kidding. Oh, that's it great. Really is. So we're going to just take a really quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, we're new. We could use a review. Click the ratings and review button and leave us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And welcome back. Okay. All right. So we were, that was, that was really great information. I think something that nobody really likes to think about, but then you find yourself there and now you have to make some adjustments and it can be pretty darn depressing sometimes if you have to give up the things that you love, but like you said, just replace it with something else and continue on. So let's shift gears just a little bit. What about like off season blues? Now this, this question came up because The other day I was scrolling through Facebook and somebody in one of the obstacle course racing groups, probably like Spartans of the West or something, said, ah, you know, I just finished the Tahoe World Championships for Spartan and I feel like I should be all pumped up and proud of myself, but I keep kind of, you know, wavering between like even like anxious and depressed um, and other people started commenting saying, yeah, I've been feeling pretty blah. I wonder if I'm coming down with something. And so somebody else said something about um, how her dad used to get post-marathon blues, which made me really think about after these races, I think it's something that athletes don't realize is going to happen unless they've been competing for a while. Now, I personally, this has happened to me a lot of times from a lot of things. So I realized uh-huh. that after a large event – there's probably going to feel like this this empty, lost, blah feeling. Why does that happen? Okay. So 
you know, Stephanie, first of all, one of the things that drew me to your page was the athleticism it takes to do those Spartan races. They're amazing. And that was why I followed you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of admiration for what you're able to get through with those races. But if you, so if you think about those races and I can't, I can't even imagine how you train. I mean, you have to be able to do one of, you know, a couple thousand things. <laughs> um, so there's a whole lot of brain and body activity going on there. Mm -hmm. So you have your training times and your training cannot possibly imitate or rep be replicating the adrenaline that's flowing during the competition, right? Right. Okay, so in training, you can totally exhaust yourself, and that's one thing. But then you're in the middle of this competition, and it's a whole new ball game with, like, neurotransmitters and, and how that feeds into your muscles. You know, neurotransmitters are not just limited to your brain, right? Mm -hmm. And just briefly, do we need to talk about what they do? Let's do that. Okay, so our brain has many neurotransmitters, and they help your brain function, and they send messages to the neurons all over your body, including the neurons in, the, in your muscles. Okay, so they tell your muscles when to stop and when to go, and I'll just discuss, I'm, I'm not going to try and go over all of them, but those kinds of neurotransmitters in competition are through the roof. Mm -hmm. You can't get to that level when you're training. But when you're in competition, those things are off the charts. <laughs> so let's say we've got four top ones. We've got norepinephrine, we've mm -hmm. got um, epinephrine, dopamine, and acetylcholine. Those are, j j we'll just talk about those four very, very generally. Okay. Those are your feel-good transmitter neurotransmitters and your energizers. And I'll throw in that word opioids because your brain makes opioids, and that's what we call the runner's wall. Mm. When you get to that 10-mile mark and you feel that runner's high, the opioids have started being overproduced in your brain. And when you're in competition, all of these neurotransmitters are being overproduced in your brain. So you are completely taxing your brain and your body of these neurotransmitters that make everything work. So you've got your training level of neurotransmitters, and then you've got your competition level. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense so far? Or is totally. That I'm learning so much right here. Keep going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Am I explaining it at a level that's um, reasonably understandable? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, so it's going to take some time for these things to balance back out. It's kind of like having a baby and you have all these estrogen and all these hormones going on. Your body takes a month to balance out, at least after a pregnancy. So, and it's going to vary from athlete to athlete as to how quickly you recover with those neurotransmitters. So if you are getting ready for your first race, one thing that's important to know is that this is going to happen. Yeah. It's going to, you got to be ready for it. So you're going to mentally accept that this is going to happen. And so that makes it, that automatically makes it okay. That takes away the negative. Mm-hmm. So now you're less anxious. Okay, I'm going to feel like shit when I get done with this for a couple of days. Yep, and, that's, and not and that's just okay. physically. <laughs> and, and the way you deal with that is wine and chocolate. Okay? I yes. always have wine okay. on hand. It's, 
It's extremely important to have red wine on hand, and <laughs> those are good for antioxidants, by the way. Yes. But anyway, you know. You heard it from the professional. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You heard it from the professional listeners. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you professionally get through PhD school, too. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I got through the Navy. All right. <laughs> so you, now you've accepted it, and, you know, if you've done this for a while, as you have, you may already have an idea of how many days you're going to be down. Yeah. Three or four days. It could be a week. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And else it probably depends on the level of your, your athleticism. If it's your first or second race, then you might want to monitor that, and it may get better. It may not. Yeah. Um, and there is such thing as an overtraining syndrome that mimics major depressive disorder. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, um, and, and again, it's not any one neurotransmitter that is implicated, it's multiple, but they look at serotonin, serotonin levels when they compare that particular syndrome with um, the overtraining syndrome with major depressive disorder, they look at serotonin. So at some point, if it doesn't get better, it is time to maybe see the doctor and have those levels checked. Um, you may have to temporarily go on some medication. I don't know. It, it could trigger something where you have to live with it and learn to deal with it, which is okay. I mean, yeah. we're pretty quick to take some ibuprofen in our ankles, right? Yeah, that's so true. So it needs to be equally okay to take some Paxil if you can't get past some depression or some anxiety. Yeah, I like that you said that. So um, I've also, I was actually diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Um, I had about four very serious episodes where it was just really hard for me to do anything. And, you know, after all of these times of feeling like absolute garbage, I realized I was actually overtraining. I was redlining life in every way imaginable, um, professionally, physically, emotionally, everything and then my body my mind everything would just be like all right screw you you're gonna go take a nap (laughs) for a little while and you know it took a long time for me to kind of realize that and and exactly what you said once you've identified this uh you can kind of back off and now I'm not so hard on myself if I start to feel like shit I just go take a nap um and and instead of just continuing to push forward and redline everything so, sorry, yeah. continue on. This is this is great information because I think you're one of the very first um, people who has really talked about this um, in relation to a sport and, and the science behind it. Do you have a show guest you'd like to hear from? Maybe you would like to be interviewed. Email us, podcast at ocrradio.com. I'm telling you, I'm really thinking about that second PhD, but (laughs) yeah, Uh, but in, you know, the way you were describing it, it sounds like if you would have gone to um, somebody who didn't know anything about sports and like a a psychologist that was not sports minded, they may have given you that diagnosis of major depressive disorder. But what you just described was that overtraining syndrome, OTS. Yeah. Well, I mean. They did, they did diagnose me with that. That's what they treated me for. And it's only been within the past probably 
three years since I've been interviewing naturopathic doctors, understanding more about adrenal fatigue and burnout, that yes. I have come to my own conclusion that this is what I've been doing to myself. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, it, it could be, you know, that it was triggered and yeah, you might have to li live with it, but um, some people bounce back, some people not so much, or, you know, it, it just depends on the athlete. But yeah. there, there's nothing wrong with it as long as you know how to deal with it. Yep. There's, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with these depressive or anxious episodes. It, they happen. We all have them. So um, that's actually what got me, got me into physical fitness was dealing with a mental health issue. So that's, that's my substitute. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How, um, how exercise really can be like a, a drug of choice. I know it's mine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I could really kind of self disclose a little bit if I think I will. So I'm like a lifelong anorexic type person. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a relapse about three years ago and didn't realize it until my friends got together and were slapping me in the face a little bit. Yeah. So I used the gym to make me eat and to keep me healthy. But, you know, it keeps me healthy and it keeps me ill. So if I can't get to the gym, I get real anxious. Yeah. So I understand all of those components that go into it. But the gym has healed me. So um, get, t repeat your question for me one more time. I don't even what know what it was. <laughs> oh, I said, okay. why, how and why do we use it as a drug of choice? Because that's what okay. a lot of us do. So, so I mean, okay. I think you're answering it beautifully. Uh, I actually, for my other podcast, I did a whole series on um, eating disorders and disordered eating within the athlete population. So there's, yeah. there's a lot to that, but, um, and I'll put the link in here too, just in case anybody wants to listen to that one. But, um, yeah, so we were talking about how it can become a drug of choice. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, again, you know, if we go back to talking about those neurotransmitters, we yeah. can become addicted to the norepinephrine that the, that our brain produces naturally and we can create more of it if we get to the gym and we can create more opioids if we want to, if we go to the gym. I'm just a firm believer that exercise regulates everything. Yeah. And th that means mood too. It may only be temporary, but it does, it does change things for you. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, but in there again, you have to have that, those limitations. So you were talking about the overtraining syndrome that you went through. So you got to have those limitations. Okay. I'm going to go five days a week and that's it. And because I don't want to go, you know, too far, go into excess. Yeah. Uh, or if you're having some problems with eating or obesity, I will not go any less than three times a week. So you set these parameters and then eating isn't your drug of choice and the gym isn't your drug, a drug of choice either. That's you know, awesome. you have to accept that your body needs rest. So if I go seven days a week, like I've become addicted to doing, then I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. I'm going to become injured and I don't want that. So I'm going to follow these rules and, you know, not use this gym as the substitute. Um, 
I'm really bad at rest days. <laughs> Most people listening are. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I go hiking and I call it a rest day, and then I end up running the hiking trail. <laughs> and You're in good the, company here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we call that rest day. And, and right. it, we end our rest day with wine because, <laughs> you know, it helps you rest more. <laughs> right, right. No, and thank you so, so much for sharing that story, too, about um, about your history with anorexia and the exercise because that, I think, is huge. Like, we, you know, we're all um, working we, we all have our own journey here, you know, we all have our own obstacles yeah. that we come up against. And, and I think like the exercise is the best way to, to deal with a lot of this stuff, you know, especially if you put it in conjunction with, you know, just more self-awareness and understanding yourself better. And, and even just spending time out there on that hiking trail by yourself is therapy in itself. It really is. It really is. And, you know, just to go to the extreme, there are some people that go to the gym and over-exercise and under-eat. Yeah. So you have got to put back into your body what – you've got to replace what you've burned to stay healthy. Yeah. And when you cannot cross that line, when you can't get back across that line to eating healthy to replace what you've burned, then that should be a red flag too. Yeah, you're that's, absolutely right. It's um, – yeah. And I, I say that too. Um, I know I referred to my other podcast, but um, it's called Stop Chasing Skinny. And yeah, I talk a lot absolutely. about how, you know, because I used to overeat, overexercise. And then, and then I started training lifestyle clients where they were trying to make a, a physical transformation. But what I realized was a lot of them were over dieted and overexercised. So when they got to me, there wasn't really much room for improvement because they had already taken like everything out of their diet and they were already exercising like crazy. So I think that that's a great point where, again, as athletes, we always talk about doing more, better, faster, but sometimes we yes. do too much and that's a possibility. Yeah, we do too much and we're not eating the right foods as far as, you know, replacing what we've burned. And yeah, I can't really address nutrition too much. I'm a bit of a carbophobe, so yeah, I'm, I need to improve in taking in carbs. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are good carbs and there are bad carbs, and we've got to have them. And so, you know, it's good if someone has a nutritionist that they can talk to, that can you know tell them what to eat before, if depending on their goals, yeah. and then what to eat afterwards, depending on their goals. Uh, so that's that's pretty helpful too. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And having having some of those, um, you know, those having a solid foundation in nutrition is is really key. Because, like you said before, huge, you know, you yeah. can you can end up with this overtraining syndrome because maybe you aren't even overtraining, but maybe you are not fueling yourself enough. So your body sees it as overtraining. It's overtraining for you based on your current nutrition. Yeah, and I, in my case, I've kind of wondered sometimes if that's why I haven't progressed past lifting a certain weight, because I'm not taking in enough carbs. So that it, that's also a possibility that it's going to inhibit your progress if you don't improve your nutritional needs. Yeah, yeah, and especially as athletes, we really do need carbs. Um, you know, I think that there's a there's some confusion though because a lot of times, like you'll see like the big pasta dinners the night before. Um, races and yeah. stuff like that. Like I was a big time runner before and, you know, I mean, r really your body can only store so much Absolutely. glycogen in your muscles, you know, so you don't need a pound of it. 
and he'll just sleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. But it's just a it's, it's a good excuse, though, right? As long as there's oh, wine, yeah. you know? Right. Wash it all down with wine. <laughs> I think I read, too, that you make a mean lasagna, so. <laughs> yeah, I do. I really do. I have to do that this weekend because I'm competing with my roomie over in Wake Forest. So I have to, I have to, then he's going to come up with a better recipe anyway. So whatever. Oh, that's awesome. That's really fun. That's really fun. All right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that people can do to navigate those postseason blues or off season blues. And so the off season is the perfect time to try things that are totally outside of your box. So we all get in these routines where I just want to lift weights. I just want to be a weightlifter or I just want to be a runner, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's going to be really cold here in about a month and running outside sucks. <laughs> I, I don't do cold weather running. So uh, what I did, and I like to get better at weightlifting. And so there were me and two other weightlifting guys. We were like the lumberjack club in the ballerina class. We went to Pilates. <laughs> we tried Pilates. And she kicked our asses. Oh, my God. So we went to Pilates because it was going to enhance our weightlifting with flexibility and stability and core strength. So we were going to connect that to the weightlifting. That was the idea of, of learning Pilates. That's and then great. we got That's hooked great. on it because it was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know? And again, back to the swimming, well, swimming replaces running. So that's a good thing to do. So it kind of depends on your individual sport and what will enhance your individual sport in the off season. That is such a great point because um, there are a lot of times where maybe you want to try something new, but if you have all these races planned, you kind of don't want to deviate from your current training plan because that might impact your race. But in the off season, it's great to try something different. I mean, and then, you know, it's hard to continue to like go forward hardcore on your training all year round. That's not healthy either. So that sounds like fun. So Pilates, what else have you found? And swimming, what else have you found to be beneficial? Well, I'm a big CrossFit fan. I don't do all of it. I can't because I'm not 20 and I'm not, you know, in the military. I'm not going (laughs) to pretend I can do 50 L L crunches or whatever they are but there are so many components of crossfit that you can put anything together and make it work you can make a workout workout anywhere you can take it with you it's mobile if you learn small pieces of crossfit that's another thing that will enhance any almost any sport that you're already in and if you don't weight lift if you're a runner then weightlifting could really strengthen your running game yeah, somebody once said, I guess it was a running coach, and he said, you don't run to get in shape. You get in shape so you can run. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes runners don't de- deviate from how they run. Yeah. You know, so they'll they'll just do long distance and that's it. Yeah. But they won't do, like, a CrossFit-type run where you do 800 meters three times, rest three minutes in between each one, and quit. That's it. That's all you do. We, we get stuck in training in our little comfort zone. Yeah, so, so if, I guess get out of your comfort zone would be the off-season tip, huh? Yeah, yeah. Do the weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. I think that's the quote of the interview. Do the weird shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And one thing too about CrossFit, um, you don't have to do the Olympic weightlifting. I've never done no. CrossFit in that format. I've done their boot camp though. So boot camp, you don't have to have like an on-ramp. You do um, basically all the stuff that you're talking about. And it was less expensive for me if I remember correctly. Yeah. New atmosphere, new environment, new routines, if you're missing that competition element of racing, well, every CrossFit workout is a competition. So, yeah, and you know, it's a it's a competition against yourself. Right, right. But that's yes, exactly. But there's always like there's time there, and and there's other people, and there's always you know like numbers yeah. written on a board. <laughs> and everybody cheers for the last one to finish. Yeah, that's the cool stuff. Yeah, a lot of camaraderie. So yeah, I guess you know you could you could basically end up with another fitness family somewhere else yeah exactly exactly and that's one thing I probably wouldn't do without a trainer just to get the proper form down first on some things yeah um but it is fun it sure is fun and getting out like hiking is one thing I wanted to learn this year and that has been the most satisfying journey being outside in and of itself is awesome scenery is incredible so getting outside with fresh air is also really important for any athlete, whether it's a rest day or whether you're exercising outside. But yeah, definitely get out of your comfort zone in the off season and try, try the weird shit. <laughs> try the weird shit. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quote of the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time. I can't believe our 30 minutes went by so fast. So could you go ahead and share some information on where somebody might be able to find more of the information you're putting out? Because I read through your blog and it's great stuff, especially for this recovery type of um, activity. Sure. Um, On Instagram, I'm under SciFitBlog and that's P-S-Y fit blog i think you can spell out the rest yep mm-hmm. um, there's a link to the to the blog um that's on my instagram it's actually i could i would say that it's in its infancy it, i really haven't had the time to work on it like i want to in completing this doctorate uh-huh so <laughs> that takes some time at it, <laughs> yeah when when you look at it and it looks kind of plain well it'll get better i promise <laughs> um, yeah it's great content I, on there yeah, and, and I do try to expand on some of the things that I learn along the way. And my goal is to just try and get everybody to a better place physically and emotionally at the same time. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. It's been very fun. Awesome.